Let's make planning this year's garden a lot easier with the Planter app. This app is packed full of features. It has companion and combative planting, which are indicated by green and red circles. It has a simple drag and drop interface. It has 80 plus plants and thousands of varieties. All the info is needed to grow veggies, including when to start seeds, transplant and harvest, the ability to create custom plants and varieties, a growing guide with in-depth articles to supplement the quick info in the app, not to mention that you can view it and use it both on your PC and on your mobile device, so you can always be planning your garden on the go. This app is used in my garden year-round to plan the upcoming seasons, reference the last year's seasons so I know when to rotate, and it also helps me to learn more about companion planning using the visual cues. When you create your garden, it's going to be based on the dimensions and each block is going to be a square foot. I've had a lot of fun using this app and the Planter app, which is spelled P-L-A-N-T-E-R, is available in your app store on both Google and Apple. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and plan your garden and use the link below to get a discount on the Planter app. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Batavia, do you feel like you have an absolute handle on your space in your garden? I think so. Really? You starting to? Or have you had it for a while? No, I, I'm actually, I can quote every measurement of every growing space in my bed. That's what we're talking about, right? No. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> no, like um, how things grow in certain areas and maximizing it. Yeah, I know. I'm just okay. joking. Yeah. She was uh, joking, everybody. Um, I used to believe that I, you know, I was just so challenged you know, because my beds are kind of plopped all over the place. And the combination of um, growing in the current layout for a few years, right, um, with similar crops. So I've been growing the same types of crops for the last, you know, three or four years, especially at the size, quantity and all of that. So that combined with it's dirt, like chances are something's going to grow in it. Right. You know, that that realization of, you know, sometimes um, our challenges are of our own doing um, brings me to the point where I feel really good about the space I'm growing in. There's still a bit to learn, though, I think. Yeah. my Like, I can't figure out, believe it or not, why the cage baby is still the soil is still so dense. I've had troubles growing root crops in it, of all things, you know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I turn it over every year, um, you know, and I welcome the weed seeds at the beginning of the season. <laughs> um, but it, it definitely gets compacted. So you know, I take it you don't practice no dig. I do not practice no dig. I dig. Yeah, I dig deep. I dig. You dig. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I think anything will grow in my garden. But the question I always have is, will it thrive in that area? And um, I've come to realize that some crops just don't thrive in certain areas. You know what I mean? And it's it's a painful realization. And that's my own doing. Well, it actually has nothing to do with me. 
Um, well, I guess it does in a sense, but it's because of the trees in my property and the amount of shade that we get and stuff like that. It kind of, it, mm-hmm. it's a stumbling block. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah. I was just thinking about the choice of words, right? Yeah. You know, um, and someone commented on a video of mine and said something along the lines of, I use a, a, the phrase, you know, um, I hope it does well, or we'll see how it, right. it does, you know, um, a lot, you know, and someone else pointed it out to me before this commenter, someone that I know personally pointed it out to me that doesn't garden. And I never really thought about it, you know, but then I observed, I do say it pretty often. And so then it, when you just mentioned thriving, it like my immediate reaction is I just wanted you to do well. Like when I look at like a good year, I may say I had, I had a good bean year last year. Like I look at it as it did well. I think I'm too um, nervous to talk about something that thrives because every year for most of these things, you get another go. So last year's successes are last year's successes, right? right? Um, that's the uber conservative part of my garden in life. <clears throat> well, that's, I mean, I think it kind of, it helps too, because you don't. And let's just a clarification of my gardening life. Let's not get things twisted. <laughs> <here. laughs> well, I think too, it, it's like, it, it helps you to prepare what could come. Cause I mean, you've got enough skin in the game and enough experience that you know that things don't go right all the time. Um, you know, I remember one year, I had chard that grew all the way up until about August. And I was like, damn, this crop can handle it. But what I didn't realize is it was planted in one of the shadier parts of my garden. Mm. So the next year I went heavy and I planted a lot of it thinking that I would get it all summer. And guess what? I didn't get it all summer, you know? And that was the beginning of me starting to realize that like this space that we garden in, like, it takes time to kind of get a grasp unless you live out in a field. And I've seen a lot of our listeners gardens that are out basically exposed to all day sun. So there is that. But then for me, it's like, I need a little bit of reprieve from the heat, both personally and for my um, botanical purposes. So there is that. So there's a bit there. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get brief. If you listen to last week's episode, our captions were on it was like the page was scrolling up with how much I was talking <laughs> so I'm gonna try to be more succinct here um I'm glad you brought up the idea of a field like long rows you know so if we go back to like you know farming in the past gardening in the past it doesn't kind of look like you know what y- your garden and my garden looks like right. right so whatever the conditions were generally that was the conditions for at least the whole row if not the entire garden right um and then for for me, I have I meet your chart with not an edible, but hostas. So I dug up, you know, hostas are so um, they multiply like in a blink of an eye. Um, I dug up some <coughs> hostas from my uh, folks house. I don't even think they're there anymore. And I didn't really have a space to put them in at the time. Can you believe that? Like that was where I only had like a garden space, little flower bed in the front yard, like where the tree stump had been pulled up and like the little space in the backyard. So I put them in containers and they do really well. I leave them out all winter long in Chicago in zone 6A um, and I kind of tuck them away just because, you know, it's the first signs of life of spring, but it's not like they aren't sexy like the rest of the summer right. growing. So last year I put them <clears throat> in the corner of the garden where the sun 
like when the sun rises that's what it hits man those leaves burned up real quick (laughs) (laughs) they're like no thank you ma'am and i've seen hostas in more like full sun but that's a good example of i've grown stuff in that corner of the garden where i moved them to you know but not something that clearly was a little bit more sensitive to the sun um so they're still like there's still a bit to learn in my space well and you're talking about flowers which is a whole new category mm-hmm. as far as that yeah. goes but even yeah. if you go to the vegetables it's um heat tolerance mm-hmm. is a big part mm-hmm. of it too you know i mean shading at the right types of day and stuff like that so it's um you know it's over time i've learned more and more about my space <clears throat> and I mean, I've even got it down. Well, hold on. Let me rephrase it. It's like I was, it felt like I was about to say, I even got it down to the point where I know this. But no, it's like I know this one part of my garden where I've got mm-hmm. it down to like there's this one corner in a bed that does get more shade and I never get anything really to grow there. And so yeah. that's kind of like me thinking ahead. And it's like, all right, we're going to have issues. You know, you need to stay on top of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a new pollen that started falling this week, and it is brutal on me. Apparently, oh, yeah. I'm looking a little flush. Um, Don't say that. <laughs> oh, is that is that like inappropriate? No. You make me think oh, I'm sick. Okay. Now I'm gonna freak out. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You'll be fine. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so completely dismiss that. Um, expansion further complicates it, right? You know, so. It's hard for me and my space to expand and duplicate kind of the growing yeah. area, right? You know, so the last level of expansion was, uh, for what it's worth, like a, a one by eight foot bed, one and a half feet by eight feet. And it's funny because I did a lot of measuring and I was looking like this week and I'm like, these beds are absolutely two different sizes, but neither here nor there. They're on the inside of my cattle panel. Right. And we talked about this a lot last winter, not the one that just passed, but the winter before that. And there's some things that grow. Like in sentence, <laughs> I mean, a, a lot doesn't grow. <laughs> so last year was the first growing year. And it's like I got the first set of spring stuff and it grew well. And then that was. And so now it's spring again. You know, so everything I put it in, put in there besides like one tomato plant struggled, you know, so everything from the fresh <clears throat> soil that soil had been covered from when i dug up my garden my um grass in 2019 to me trying to amend it with a little bit of compost you know like the the denseness of the soil is different than any other space in my garden it's as close to virgin soil um as i have and i'm just like well we'll see you know um I see seeds germinating. My mustard seeds that flew all over the place, they're germinating. And it's like, well, their stuff is growing here, you know. But I still don't have a full year of, like, a cattle petal full of leaves to see what's going to happen under it, as an example. Yeah. You know. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, small things like that. So that, and one one could argue that almost becomes a distraction, too, from the things that I almost have figured out in the rest of my garden. Yeah. So... Part of the reason, you know, I did a, <clears throat> I did a video recently and I was like, Hey, I'm not going to be expanding my garden this year. My, my main goal is to really like figure out my space a little bit better because I had mm-hmm. rapid expansion and I, I've I, over the spring, I've really come to grow very comfortable with that decision. 
because <clears throat> there are certain parts of the garden that I just need to know more about. And if I'm trying to always learn something new, it's really hard to kind of stay on top of it. And I think it's like it, man, it's, it's a disease. You know, if you, if you like to garden, then you're going to do it. You're going to expand as much as you want to expand when you want to expand and do what you want to do. And you want more and more and more. And I, I can understand that. But at the same time, like I stood back and I just, I looked every time I went out there, especially in the fall, I looked and I looked and I was like, man, I've got a lot to learn about this little space that I've got going on here, you know, and I've got spaces that I need to improve upon. So if I'm trying to get one going, then I'm not, I'm taking away from another one and I can't improve upon it. And what's the point in having a big, huge farm if only a quarter of it grows food? You know what I mean? You know, that's the weird bit, though. So on one hand, I'm thinking you expanded and it was rapid, like you were adding multiple beds at a time over you know a year. Um, And I still don't believe, you know, in my gut that if you're going to have 10 garden beds, like add all 10 of them at the same time, if you're a brand new gardener, that doesn't seem like the, the best path. If you've done it, you know, I'm sure you figured out some pros and cons around it. Um. But if you spread that out, scattered over a number of years, you're kind of always in that, you know, getting started space. You want to want to take a I don't know. We'll keep okay. going. I might have to get some water in a minute. <laughs> well, how does it work? If I, can I call 911 and be patched into North Carolina? How does Lord, that work? I don't know. We're going to have to find <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, but when you scatter it over years, you end <clears> up um, kind of taking you, – you, you spread the learning over years yeah. so one could argue like oh you you're you're not spending the entire year learning about 10 beds but now you're spending three four or five years learning about you know a total of 10 beds so i'm kind of for this topic i'm kind of on the fence about if there's a better way and if so which way is it see for me it's not about learning 10 beds it's about managing it all <clears throat> yeah but that's different than knowing your space though isn't it I think it all kind of plays in together. I mean, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. if I added in, like, we were talking about asparagus in a previous episode, and it was like, you know, I made the comment of, like, if I was going to grow asparagus, I need to grow an asparagus bed. And Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, all right, then I need to make another bed. But then that's going to take the focus away from everything else. When I know that there's, you know, four beds that have compacted soil that I need to get under control. So now I'm focusing on this instead of even like managing that, you know? And so like this year when I was going through and I was really big on like getting the soil straight into that, I, um, I was able to spend the time and focus on tilling it and amending it and working that soil to really start that process better. And it made me very comfortable because I felt like I was, you know, I'm sure you, have you ever had a, uh, like a long laundry list of things to do in the garden and you just feel like you cannot get on top of it? No, I've not experienced that. So full that. of crap. That's why I love you. <laughs> you may not have experienced it in the last 10 minutes, but. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> not today. But, but it was able for me to kind of get on top of that list, you know, and it was, it was really important because I know that that area struggled. I know that these two beds get really good sun, like 
majority of the day sun so they grow well. You know, I've kind of figured out what beds will grow sweet potatoes better so I can rotate between those two beds and just all these different things really have started to add up for me. So get ready for the next, you know, 22 episodes. Um, So I feel confident generally as a gardener, right? I I know how to grow things, a lot of things. As you should. Um, Yeah. Um, But when you combine, but not even an asterisk, a big but, when you combine knowing, you know, how to grow things, then you insert new things, growing new things. Then you insert growing things whether new or not in different areas you know you get slapped in in the face with uh you know the newbie stick you know throughout the garden season right um it can be jarring is probably overstating it um but there's a moment every season i think where i feel like i got it right you know and then i get to a point in the season where i'm like yeah then I forget about it right. over, you know, the break. And <clears> just <throat> before we um, we got online here, I was looking at a video for, I was going to a video back from 2019. I can't remember why. I know that was like 30 minutes ago, but I can't remember why. Okay. But what I was listening to and watching it, I'm like, girl, like, so you're going to plant like carrots underneath cabbage not in your way of underneath right. it, but underneath that cabbage but underneath cauliflower like i can't i don't even want to watch the next video to see how that turned right. out right you know um so you know you get it. you combine all of those things and you know with the root of it being knowing your foundation i think the the place your bed is and the soil is the foundation right you know um and so without knowing the foundation it becomes a challenge so let's say clean slate for the first five years that I had the current lay, uh, layout for the backyard and the, and the front yard, I grew everything that I had grown previously. So if it's total 15 years, five years, last five years, I've grown everything that I grew the first 10 years of gardening. That creates a different circumstance than folding in a bunch of new things over the last five years. Um, I'm getting more and more confident about some new crops, but psh, it's a classroom every year in my garden. <clears throat> yeah, and I think it's also... When you add to a garden, you also add different stuff to the garden, generally speaking. At least I do. So it's like I added um, I added a new bed. I started growing carrots. You know, I started growing parsnips. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had to learn these things. And then it took my attention away from other things. And, you know, it's one year I grew. What was that tomato I grew? <clears throat> it was an orange banana tomato. Do you remember that year? Mm, yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, you got, yeah, you got an earful. Yeah, and they they were big, they grew, and I harvested, and I harvested, and I remember late season, I had nothing on the plant, nothing but leaves, and I couldn't figure it out. And then I kind of started thinking, I was like, well, this bed gets a lot more shade. Maybe it's not getting enough sun. You know, later in the season, as the sun goes down, the, the yeah. equinox has passed. Or the solstice. Um, and so last year, I planted <clears throat> um, Roma tomatoes in that bed in the fall. And remember that? Had a harvest off of it. So then I kind of went back to the drawing board about like, well, why is it that this tomato produced, but this one didn't? Like it did, and then it stopped. And what was going on? And so it, it kind of led me down that path of like, 
you know, don't be going crazy. Like learn about what this bed will do. So like this year I put my garlic in that bed because it will stay cooler longer. So I was able to use that to my advantage. And, um, Mm -hmm. same with the trellis, you know, the, the cattle panel trellis, it's like, if I plant too soon on the side that goes into my main beds, then the other side won't grow. So I need to plant the other side first, let it get up and then plant, you know, so they can kind of catch up. So it was like learning these different things about my garden. Now, if I would have put my trellis in a different spot, a different way, we may not be having this conversation. But the fact of the matter is I didn't and I'm not changing it. It's too much work. Yeah. So um, did you intuitively know to plant on the other side versus or did you plant and then say, oh, you know, I went into it imagining that that was what was going to have to happen, just not to the extent. But then once I did it, because I planted them both at the same time the first year and I saw like one side was empty, one side was full. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, there's definitely a difference here. Like, and I mean, there was, you know, there could have been soil issues. I hadn't built a proper bed around it yet or anything, but even still, it shouldn't matter. So I knew that there was going to be some kind of issue. And then going into the next year, there was a little bit of that issue. So this year we're doing it totally different. You know, we're planting it out first, going to let it grow up and then we'll see. And I mean, that's the thing is you only get a certain amount of time. It's not like you can consistently change it up. So it takes years to learn your space. And if you fold in like this, I'm actually, there's a new announcement regarding crop rotation, which we'll save for another video. Right, right in the, the chat, new announcement. Um, the 2023 excuse for getting a late start planting outside is it's given me a great opportunity to get to know my garden beds and, you know, observe how they are absorbing water as the spring showers come down and, you know, take a look at the, you know, uh, the earth underneath these beds, yada, 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 yada. Uh, but in all seriousness, you don't know your soil unless you're in your soil. Yeah. You know, um, I was a part of that 2019 video, I think it was. 2019, yeah, um, was... I looked at the progression of the vegetables. Like I was looking for how many kale plants that this is a different, different 2019 video, but and I remember what I was looking for then. How many kale plants did I put in that space? Cause I'm planting kale there again. And so I'm like, huh? So I'm searching for it. I didn't have a lot of footage from back then, but I started with later in the season. Cause I want to see it mature. Right. And I'm like, I can't tell what's what in yeah. here now. You know, it's like, you know, something I'm like, let me go back, let me go back. Um, but that's a good example of I don't recall because I spent so much time growing something else in that space. Right. Right. You know, and so the coincidence of that space, that's the first bed when you first walk into the backyard garden, uh, the backyard area, it's the first space. It's basically sitting on the side of the porch. So it doesn't get full sun like the bed that's right in the center of the concrete <clears throat> patio. Right. And so I'm using that to my advantage. Technically, I should be planting Brussels sprouts a little bit later in May, you know, versus earlier in May. And I'm like, well, we'll see because, well, let's let's put them in this far end of the bed 
it's going to get less sun, you know, than anything else. Um, maybe that'll play in my favor, but it's those bits of observing, you know, I wasn't 10 years ago. I wasn't paying attention to how much sun that bed was getting. Well, it wasn't a bed 10 years ago, but that, you know, patch of dirt that I was growing food in, you know, but now it's a part of the learning curve when it comes to my growing area and getting to know these different spaces. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things like, I can't imagine if I, I like, you would rent and you'd move and you start a new garden and then you would just do that like constantly. You're always starting a new garden. It would be, it would be a tough mm-hmm. thing to kind of handle. You know what I mean? Because it does take yeah. time. Now, again, if you're growing in a field, but even still, if you're doing that, like the plants that you plant will be, you know, cause these issues as well. You know, one year mm-hmm. I planted, yeah. for instance, my tomatoes in the front, my peppers in the back and the way the sun hits, guess what got shaded the peppers. So I flopped them. Yep. Guess what? Corrected that problem. But that was like, mm. you know, and I think it goes a little bit deeper than just knowing your space, but knowing your planting, you know, knowing how you want to do it, this, that, and the other. And it can be as simple as like plant one row, one week, plant another row a week later, plant mm-hmm. another row a week yeah. after that, you know, depending on the way the sun hits, and it can make a huge difference and not to mention make it more manageable as far as like harvesting and stuff like that. Well, knowing that you need to know it gives you an opportunity to, to take inventory, right? And it will help <clears throat> not completely avoid, but help you not make the same mistakes over, yeah. you know, over and over again, right? You know, there are things that, you know, I think if I, I I'll use the term have um, done really well you know um have thrived even in my garden and there's some things you know over the course of the season that haven't i don't always know the reason why but there's some like cabbage that you you know we were talking about earlier it's a good example i have like four different years of cabbage growing and four different experiences four different you know results from yeah. that cabbage growing and they all weren't winners you know um but i kind of i that's a a good reference point to what did you do over those four years? What was different each of those years? Because something was slightly different in the placement. You know, generally, you know, like the majority of those years I planted around the same time, but the placement of those cabbage shifted, you know? And so um, something I'm doing now is I'm now that I've gotten over the idea of I could use cover. I can use cover in my front yard garden. I was stuck on not doing that for a, a couple of years. Um, I'm now interested in seeing how these plants do with absolute full sun. It's the sunniest spot in my garden, you know, those two longer beds, right? There's some beds I have hidden. And so I've been growing summer plants there for the, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22-ish. Now I'm curious to see how some of these spring plants are going to do when they have like they have, you know, the keys here. You're going to get the most sun as everything else. You know, I'm hoping that it leads to um, a faster harvest time for me versus me harvesting stuff in right. August yeah. <laughs> that I planted in April. <clears throat> well, and I mean, it's like I've been doing the, um, the greenhouse this year. I've got mm-hmm. tomatoes, um, husk tomatoes and okra in a couple of zucchini in the greenhouse. Just trying to see how it does. And I can tell you that the temperature difference in there versus outside has made all all the difference in the world for the plants. Um, they are all growing faster. They're all growing stronger. There's not a whole lot of difference between that and the soil and stuff like that. So I think the difference is definitely the temperature. I mean, I even have a, uh, a squash planted right outside the door in a pot 
And that's been a good gauge for me to see like, hey, this squash is nowhere near what these are doing. You know, like the ones in the greenhouse are starting to flower. You know how the first ones will be males and then you'll eventually get them. I'm on like my 10th flowering at this point. So um, 10 flowers total for each plant where my front one, the one just outside is not as strong yet. So um, it can, you know, that can make a difference too. And knowing the heat pattern, especially at certain times of year, it makes, I mean, it's it's huge and it's, you know, I think there may be a little bit to that with the container compared to their in ground in your greenhouse, but I believe the heat is probably the, um, the primary factor there. I have to go back and look at, I saw your video on the, the, um, ground cherries look really good. I planted them last year and they were for the first time and they were off to such a slow start. So I want to go back and see, I think I remember seeing them when you first planted them out. So I'm wondering how big yours were compared to how big mine were. I didn't start any ground cherries this year because they took so long. I had a really hard time with the seeds this year and they were about two inches tall when I put them in the ground. And I just Mm -hmm. got back from being out there and they're up to my knee now. Yeah, and that's that's you know a part of the puzzle then because I remember it took a lot to get them started indoors last year. They went out; they were pretty small, um, but you know just if I do try to do some simple math, there's I mean it took them a lot of the summer to get to the height yeah. that yours are now. You know, so I know for sure that um, your greenhouse is going to be has been warmer than when I plant. Even in I would have planted them out like in May or June. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that's, it's taken you how many years to get your groove with the, the greenhouse? Uh, this is my third year. I'm on the Batavia schedule. Yeah. No, I'm not on the Batavia schedule because I have been planting in it. But um, mm-hmm. no, it, it definitely has taken me time. And like, I know if you take the greenhouse, for instance, I'll plant it in the fall and things will grow. But I know come February, they really start to grow. So it's like, get it in the ground early, let it get settled, let it go, maintain it. And then just like that, it'll start growing a lot. And so we know moving forward, that's how we can handle the greenhouse. And once we get that under control, this year, it really kind of, it really hit home. I knew that before, but this year we were able to confirm it again. But you're talking three years in, you know, two, three seasons into it. Now you're like, okay, now we're starting to see how this works. And that's, I mean, it, it's good for managing my expectation about how it works because I know that like, okay, same with my cabbages. If I put them out in the garden, they're going to grow to an extent and then they're going to sit dormant and then... They will come back come February and then we'll get our harvest. So we may not even need to plant them in the spring. We may just be able to only plant them in the fall, fully plant, and then just wait for them to come ready. And I think that's an important aspect to it, you know, because we know that that's how it functions. Do you think, um, um, how much do you think kind of variety folds in? I've had kale is another good example of it's a crop that I've planted in various places in my garden at various times, you know, starting from spring, you know, early, early summer, even fall. And I was looking last shoot last year, year before last year before last. 
good grief. Winter 21 going into 22. Mm-hmm. Um, I put tr- kale transplants in the ground in this bed I was telling you about last episode and at the beginning of September. They were actually, you know, pretty, they had a bunch of true leaves on each plant. And I had beautiful kale through the beginning of January, you know, and I'm like last year coming into this year, you know, over the winter, well, fall going into winter, I, I tried to replicate it. Wasn't happening. You know, um, so it's it's that that bit of it's a different kale variety to note. Yeah, you know, it wasn't the same kale variety that I I grew the year before. Um, nearly the same space, not exactly, but nearly the same space. You know, I definitely think that there are going to be some varieties that make a difference in all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have like a more cold tolerant, I think that it'll probably be more susceptible to manage growth during those time frames. Um, I don't know. Is there a vari- like a variety of vegetable that you can get just any vegetable where it's like it doesn't need as much sun as a different variety of the same vegetable? That's a super. Du- I mean, I think maybe not as much sun, but I think the whole you know uh, trick of what's tolerant. Um, a vegetable that's cold tolerant, a variety that's cold tolerant versus not. So I have some lettuce that's more cold tolerant than others. And, you know, the lie about heat tolerant lettuce. So there's that. Um, There's some kale that you'll see pictures of popping through the snow and some varieties that are a little bit more soft and, you know, maybe even a little bit more tender. Um, So, I mean, I think the family of kale, the family of lettuce, I think it varies, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of that because I actually do grow multiple varieties of kale. I'm not, nothing's ringing a bell with me so far, so I can't confirm nor deny anything. <laughs> um, well, cabbage um, is not necessarily more sun or less sun, but we know that there's all the varieties that have different days to harvest, you know, so it's a shorter window or a longer window. Um so there's that bit, which is a little bit different than what you're asking, though. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, I've been growing that market Copenhagen cabbage for years and um, it's a smaller head of cabbage any way you slice mm-hmm. it than other ones. And it does ripen faster. But, um, you know, moving forward, we're going to be we're 100 percent switching because I, I do want to grow bigger heads of cabbage. But that being said, that's smaller variety. And I've typically seen this where there's different varieties that grow at different rates and are produced at different times based on the size of the final product, you know, smaller peppers. I mean, dude, we grew Tabasco peppers one, one year. I will never grow those again. They worked me to death trying to pick them. <laughs> um, and it wasn't even like I had to pick them cause I wanted to keep them. I had to pick them because it just bothered me that there were so many on it. Um, yeah. bell peppers, you know, we don't really grow bell peppers. We grow other sweet peppers that are smaller just because of the simple fact we get more off of them. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I think more is relative, though. For me, when I hear that, you may really mean like more pound for pound. Yeah. You know? I mean more I individual peppers. When I hear more. Hmm. I mean more like so the peppers that we grow, we've been growing the lipstick peppers for a couple of years now, and they're about three quarters of the size of a bell pepper, and we'll get about two to three times as many peppers mm-hmm. off of them than a bell pepper. And now I'm gonna go ahead and tell you now. I have never grown a bell pepper and gotten what I get out of the grocery store. I'll say that. Like that big, huge oh, yeah. one. I've never had one like yeah, that. Yeah, they're alien-like. Um, 
yeah yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say you know i agree i haven't either and i have actually a couple of varieties that are supposed to be really large like giant you know sweet bell peppers and no no and you know the ones at the store ain't no different well you know the um i was just thinking about how uniform they are but that's you know we won't even get into that's a whole different conversation that's called market gardening about the season yeah that bit is hard i think um for the places that you know that you feel like oh i'm comfortable with this space in my garden do you grow the same things as much as you know it's safe to do or do you say all right this is a great growing space i'm going to plant something else here because i know i I feel like it's going to do well so my goal has been to create beds that can mimic each other in light and stuff like that so that I can rotate them appropriately. That has mm, been my goal for those. So um, I guess to answer your question, no, because I, I really do try to practice crop rotation as much as I possibly can. I rarely will put things in year like back to back. Um, so I do definitely try, but I've tried to make beds that will work for that. And I was just trying to think like for peppers in general. Um, this year I'm actually growing peppers in the back corner of my wild garden. That's actually the bed with the corner that has that I can never get anything to grow. And I believe that's one of the, sh- I don't know if it's one of the shady or not. I haven't figured that out yet, but I'm growing peppers in there. And that's one place I said I would never do it. So I put some there, but I also put them in other places to make sure that I've got the right amount of space and, you know, heat yeah. and light for them. So there are spaces that I, there's some crops that just, I will not put in certain areas in my garden, but I have made it so that I can u- utilize other spaces to rotate appropriately. And I, I may end up doing it next year just to kind of see how it works. But when I'm doing the crop rotations, it's tough because it goes by family sometimes. So it's like, you know, your nightshades, which are your tomatoes and peppers. You can't put tomatoes in one bed, peppers in another bed, and then flop them the next year. You're basically doing the same thing. So I'm trying to figure out a way to kind of stay away from that. Yeah, I, um, I think that I've actually said this out loud. I think the bed that's furthest in the corner of the backyard yeah, facing east that bed every time I've put anything in it it's flourished look at me I'm all the grandiose terms now I started with it's doing okay it's doing well you know all right all right it's thriving now it's flourishing um and it's interesting because I've grown different types of things in that space you know um and it's one of the older raised beds in my garden when it comes to like that soil was probably the bag soil I originally bought when I was going to buy bag soil, you know? Um, and, and I say, you know, obviously I've amended it over, over the years, but I say, this is the space where it's like, I almost don't worry about the thing I put in that space. Right. You know, I kind of move on to whatever the next thing is. Um, and that's going to be a space where, you know, I hope I haven't jinxed myself or tomatoes are going to be planted. At least that's the plan, uh, this year. And, you know, the hope again is let's see how well they do in this space that basically everything else has 
done really, really well in. Right. You know. I just got a little nervous. Yeah, you should. Now, I wonder if the age <laughs> of the bed has anything to do with it, too. You know? Well, uh, if it was an in-ground bed or a bed sitting on soil, I probably would say that definitely. I'm not going to, you know, pretend as if I've washed away all of the soil, like it's not all escaped. Um, it could just be the orientation of the bed. So I really like what you said about trying to set up beds where they mimic each other. That's what I thought I did some years back when I put four raised beds on the concrete patio. They didn't go in at the same time. It's like start off with one, then added another one right next to it, and then added, you know, a third one. Then finally in 2019, added the fourth one. So they're basically like in a long row now, um, two rows. And it took me a long time to realize, oh, so the bed that's in the center, so to speak, of the backyard, it starts to get sunny around, you know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the summer. Right. The bed that's next to it, two feet away from it starts to get sun around nine or 10 o'clock, you know, full sun. Yeah. And there's a big fence there. So the, uh, the bed that I said, it's two feet away from it. Those two beds are closest to the fence and that it obstructs things. It's closest to the other houses and all. So those things matter, right. You know, you know, I wonder since you just brought that up, um, part of my beds, they, so the main garden, stays fairly shaded until about roughly 12 o'clock in the you know afternoon about noon and then mm-hmm. come about three o'clock two o'clock about three and then the wild garden starts to get sun about nine o'clock eight o'clock and then it starts to get shaded around three oh, and then okay. it's the opposite for the other part of the garden where it stays you know it gets full sun from Two o'clock all the way to the end of the day, roughly. Let's just say roughly. Um, But I'm wondering, and I've thought about this a lot lately, is I wondered if that dappled sun that hits it through the leaves of the trees and stuff, if that still makes up for some growing time as far as, um, you know, amount of sun that it's getting. Because I know that the wild garden, for instance, once it goes to shade because the sun is setting, it's not getting that dappled sun. It's that's the sun that it's going to get. But the main garden, all morning, it'll get a you know as it goes past the trees and stuff, it'll get a little bit here and there. So I'm wondering if that makes a difference. If it's it's a little bit more measured, it makes a difference in the positive. Yeah, like you know yeah. maybe eight hours of dappled sun equals an hour of regular sun. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. something like that. You know, if he, anybody has input on that, you can check us out on backyard community gardens on Facebook or BYG community garden and, uh, weigh in. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be guessing. Um, you know, I think, um, I was talking about houseplants last time, so I'll continue that theme. You know, there are very few houseplants that want no light. You yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, um, and then above that, there are very few, like there are things that are advertised as low light and it's all about them tolerating, you know, they'll tolerate, you know, the non-ideal conditions, but there is a such thing as ideal conditions. And I think maybe for the main garden for you, you know, maybe <sighs> it would prefer more sun, but for what you're growing, the, hours that it has full sun plus the dapple is good enough yeah you know i mean don't get have you ever have you seen anything in there that space that just 
just flopped? Um, you know, the way I've been looking at it, so everything grows. Um, and it's from now up until June 21st, you know, that's the highest point of the sun. And then if I do my, you know, I just think, try and think logically about it. I don't try and do any math. I just try and think logically about it. I'm like, well, everything grew all the way up until June 21st starting, you know, if I planted it in April. So then from that point forward, it should do well all the way up until August 21st. And then we're so close at that time. It's like, well, whatever. But I do feel the pressure in my garden based on what I know off of my space that, I need to have things in the ground for summer as close to June 21st as possible so I can maximize that amount of sun that it's getting. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, the two of the shadier beds have potatoes and onions in it. And both of them are planted that way this year by design because the potatoes, if they get hot, they will stop and they will die off and then you'll have to harvest them. So we want to try and keep them cooler possible you know as long as possible so when they go and they harvest which we're hoping will be around the first of june then we'll have to pull and plant immediately so we can get 60 to 70 days of growth on stuff and not only that Mm -hmm. i think what i'm going to start doing again based off what i know off my space is i'm going to try to not just put seeds in there but actually get some transplants going and plant them in there so they already have that head start because you can miss i can be a month ahead of schedule on anything i put in that area be it squash a tomato or anything we're actually going to put i'm going to propagate some tomatoes here soon and put those in there so they will already have roots and be established and be ready to grow that's a really good um uh note around to transplant or to direct sow. So knowing your space, knowing what you've planted already, knowing what's already growing. It's back to the 2019 video. I can't remember why I was looking at it, um, where it's, yeah, things germinated, but the plants, the transplants um, quickly overshadowed the thing that had germinated that was sowed from seed. And that thing isn't designed to get like really tall. Um, I've had mixed results when it comes to things like starting like okra as an example, direct sowing it versus um, transplanting it. And I think a large part of it has had to do with um, where I planted it in my garden. Yeah. You know, I think for the most part, if I can transplant it from now on, I think that's what I'm going to do. Um, stuff like carrots and whatnot, I'll, I'll direct sow. But, um, like I, I transplanted okra this year, pretty happy with that. You know, it's a head start. So it's just kind of, you know, and I I mean, you've seen my property and if you've watched me on Sandy Bottom Homestead on YouTube, then you know that like we have a lot of trees around us now, all it takes is one hurricane and we could have no trees around us. And I'm not lying when I say that in particular one tree, not if, but when it comes down, that's going to completely change my garden completely. Well, first of all, I have to rebuild it when it comes down more than likely, but that's oh, yeah, a different yeah. story, but that would mm-hmm. immediately let in an extra hour of light, two hours of light every day on that par- portion. So it's just a matter of time before that happens. And I mean, that's just being realistic. Yeah. The um, I'm begrudgingly joining you in transplanting as much as I can. Um, one, I think it'll keep me more honest when it comes to getting the thing done. Yeah. 
too, um, you know, I've described my season as a script season. People may not look at it that way. We already had our average last frost, which was April 17th. We got frost afterwards. It's an average. Um, and my average first frost is November 1st. So what do we decide? Is like 190 some growing days if you count from, you know, average to average frost date. But, you know, okra is not going to be planted in my garden in, in, on April 18th. Yeah. You know, I'm going to wait to plant that till it gets, you know, pretty hot. And while it does shoot up pretty fast, I need to get to the point of harvesting pods as quick as possible. And if I can save myself two or three weeks, even, you know, let's giddy up. Yeah. You know? um, the challenge, the reason why I was opting to direct. sow some of things, you know, like I tried that with melons as well. Um, last year, maybe even the year before last, because it was less for me to manage both indoors and out. Right. Because by then I'm in the garden <clears throat> and I want to stay in the garden. I don't want to be looking at shelves and stuff. However, um, I've looked back and I've had better success when I've put plants into the garden for some of these right. crops versus waiting for those seeds to come up. Some of them. The only exception may be cucumbers, may, because they're just so freaking quick. Yeah, I actually did some cucumber transplants this year. So I'm curious on how that's going to work out. Um, you know, I didn't start my... I, dude, I went to a garden center the other day and they were selling beans in six packs. Super <laughs> weird. They were like three foot vines. It was crazy. But, you know, I, like I wouldn't put those in the ground because the same thing. They'll just pop right up and go. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, you know, if if I feel comfortable starting a transplant from now on, I think that's what I really need to do because of the amount of sun that I get. Um, that's been a real big hang up for me. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And it's just like with the propagating of the tomatoes, it's just same thing. It's easier. I mean, I could start them by seed, but I don't have to crack open the seed bank. I can just go in there and start them and they'll be ready, you know, a couple weeks in the shade. There's a different level of of watching that you have to do for it, yeah. you know. Well, that and also I can raise those weeks. propagation plants in front of that bed or that they're going to go in or I can put them in like full sun, get every bit of growth I can out. And so when I put them in, they can adjust mm-hmm. to it. So I feel like that's, but you know, it, it takes, it's taken me, I've gardened in this garden now. I think this is my sixth year gardening in this garden and it's taken me this long to really start to kind of hammer it home and figure it out and if you're just like a hobby gardener then it could take you even longer before you do it but most hobby gardeners are still pretty serious about it i mean again i've seen y'all's gardens they're bigger than ours a lot of them so you know a lot of people really grow a lot of food and um you just you get in to all of you know all the different ins and outs of your space and you start to learn about it and you can really maximize your harvest and your time by doing that and i think that's an overlooked aspect too is maximizing your time your effort that's put into it yeah i'm glad that no one's never ever challenged me to how much time i'm spending doing the thing i was thinking about this uh um before we we got back on you know, all of the pacing of the garden and, and, you know, how quickly I could have planted things compared to how long it's been taking me. Um, and a part of it is, again, that like once I put something in the ground, I don't want to really move it. You know, every now and again, like this um, this week, I moved cabbage plants that had been in the ground for about two weeks. 
because I said, oh, I want to put when I in this space, I want to put corn behind these brassicas and I expect to have the broccoli brassicas harvested before the cabbage. So I said, well, let me flip flop them, you know, so I did that, but I don't want to try to do that. That's, you know, blame that on the unfinished garden plan, you know, but if I look at that space up there, this is the 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. This is the fifth year growing up there in these beds that have been there that long. And I have a pretty good handle on what's going to grow where, you know, if I give it the best chance. Yeah. Um, but all the other little itty bitty spaces I've dug up, holler at me in two more years. <laughs> <laughs> it's intense. And I mean, I think for me, it's all about just, paying attention and slowing down mm-hmm. you know i think that's the big thing is just slow down you know I, I find myself wanting to be in a rush it's like it's killing me this year not to have my sweet potatoes in the ground yet um i think i'm gonna do it today as soon as we get off here actually um everything is bolting at this point and we are actually next week we're gonna start getting back into the 80s but dude we're supposed to be in the 80s typically two three weeks ago so we're like way yeah. behind we're having like a real spring and i don't know what to do with it it's really throwing me off <laughs> i feel like and i'll check um and i'll correct myself in the next episode if i'm wrong but this spring even through pictures i was wearing a lot more t-shirts in the garden so far this spring last year yeah. compared to this year like i'm like a snowman today <laughs> oh, you got a lot of clothes on yeah, my- yeah, the amount of layers I have up, but that cold hasn't caught me. That's the key. I can't let it catch yeah. me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can I can imagine that's the same thing. That's actually a super interesting point, but we're not going to dig into it. Um, knowing your space is a thing, you know, and understanding and knowing the impact your weather has on it, and being prepared for if there's a shift. I remember going back to 2019. It was one of the wettest Junes, like May's going into Junes that I had had in the garden. So much so, remember I was telling you about how like the soil dump guy was like, I got to wait till it dries up a bit, you know, um, and this is starting to feel a little bit like that. We'll see. Cool, damp, bunch of overcast, you know. Yeah, but I, I know to be conscious of that, though. I know to to pay attention to that. It's good potato weather. Mm, yeah, uh, you don't want those things rotting in the ground. No. You don't, but the temperature's right. We can manage the rot, right? That's what I'm going to keep telling myself. Well, if I tell you I have volunteer potatoes once again, clearly they can. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. You need to get out and know your space. And if you want, you should come over to BYG Community Gardens and weigh in on the topic. Check us out on Patreon or become an Apple subscriber and you'll get that extra episode every month. Last month we talked about our garden updates and we thoroughly enjoy those packed full of information. So everybody have a good day. Have fun in your gardens. Enjoy spring and get ready for summer because it is on the way and learn to grow and grow for change. See ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in.
Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.